Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. All right, welcome to 2020. This is Michael Savage. Did you ever think you'd live to 2020? <laughs> Did you ever think you'd make it to 2020? Well, here it's a new decade. Kind of nice ring to it. Got a nice ring to it, 2020. Interesting decade coming up, isn't it? I want to catch you up on the Savage Nation because with the holidays and the this and the that, uh, many things have happened and I've not been live for a, quite a while because of vacation and whatnot. So what I'm going to do for you today is, uh, first of all, welcome KABC. That's in Los Angeles. Any listener from Los Angeles uh, who gets through today, uh, to the Savage Nation at 855-407-282. Well, you're going to get a free copy of Stop Mass Hysteria. Now, if you're a hidden American anywhere in America because you have to hide your politics because of the violence coming from the left, I pity you, but you really don't have to hide. You're not a Murano in Spain like the Jews had to hide in basements. You're an American. You have a right to express your political views. So this show, The Savage Nation, has been on the air for 25 years, 26 years this March. I want to welcome you to the new Savage graduate program in political science. Everyone gets an A. My favorite teacher in college, undergrad, bachelor's degree before my master's, master's, then PhD. I remember my favorite teacher was a genetics teacher. He was the oldest man in the department. And everyone was vying, of course, for the best grades they could get because they wanted to go on to medical school or grad school. And um, he was an easygoing professor. I forget his name. Everybody knew that at the end of the year, you went and saw him. And he asked you what grade you wanted, what grade you needed in order to get into the school you wanted to go to. So you'd say to him, well, I I need an A. He'd give you an A. So I'm going to use him as a model today. 
Uh, there are no losers. There are only uh, winners. 855-400-SAVAGE, 855-400-7282. Remember, this is a call-in show. If you do not call in, it's not a call-in show. And right now, you will reach more people than you have met, well, let's say in your entire life, just by calling that number and getting through Jim Verde, our call screener. Let me begin where we ended off before I was on vacation, okay? Where I said, sorry, Savage fans, I'll be out all of next week. And then I moved on to the Newark Killers. Remember the black gunman? Oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have mentioned black. I'm sorry. Uh, black gunman in New Jersey, New Jersey, New Jersey City, New Jersey. Uh, the uh, deli, the Jewish deli. Newark Killers targeted Jewish store, says Jersey City Mayor. Uh, and, of course, they hid them as long as they could. Then the next headline on Twitter for me was, Conservatives win in a landslide in UK. Media lied for 18 months. Lib communists shocked because they believed the Lib liars. Coming to America, Trump will win big. I believe by what I see going on on the other side of the aisle that Trump's going to win by a landslide unless there's a national emergency in the form of a war or the economy tanks. I believe Trump will win by a landslide. There's no way any of these communist anti-Americans uh, can win. Impossible. Then I had a dream on December 13th, which I posted, and it was about the word called tolerance. Tolerance. So I dreamed this. Again, I like Twitter in a certain way, having been trained in science writing to be as concise and as clean as possible. It's interesting to me that if you're literate, and I've, not, I've authored 29 books, if you're super literate, Twitter can be super literate. If you're a moron, Twitter can be as idiotic as most tweets are. So here's my tweet. Tell me what you think. I had a dream that said tolerance is living with similarities and differences between others, not letting 13-year-old wildings stab your sister to death and think as they do at Columbia and NYU and Hollywood that the system of, of oppression made them do it. Remember that beautiful girl who was stabbed to death on the steps of Columbia University? A pack of 14-year-old uh, wildings had beaten her and then stabbed her. Remember that story, that heartbreaking story? Oh, you forgot it already, swept under the rug. Uh, I guess some animals are more equal than others. My next tweet was about the uh, killing of that young girl, white girl, by a group of black 13-year-olds. Here's what I wrote. They just released one of the suspects in the wanted murder of the young girl outside of Columbia. It was out Barnard, actually. And I said, coming to America, vigilantism. And eventually, as when Sicily became lawless, armed guards, brothers with weapons escorting sisters and mothers. Liberalism is a mental disorder. That was back in December 14th. Uh, on um, December 19th, I treated the following. If the crimes don't fit, you must acquit. That was a message from Michael Savage to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Haven't heard from them. On December 24th, I had a very popular tweet with uh, very high numbers of retweets, and it said this. Tonight, the entire world stops in recognition of the arrival of Jesus of Nazareth, the greatest force for good the world has ever seen. I don't think that went over very well in uh, Hollywood, but I could be wrong. On December 25th, on Christmas Day, I posted this. The artist asked, what is the greatest achievement of mankind? Is it the rockets to outer space? Is it AI? The savage prophet answered, it is the teaching of kindness to all men. 
This is what separates us from all other living creatures. 1225. I'll skip through some of the others. And here's one from Ann Rand on December 26th. There is no difference between communism and socialism except in the means of achieving the same ultimate end. Communism proposes to enslave men by force. Socialism by vote. It is merely the difference between murder and suicide. Bernie Sanders will bring us to the end of our lives. Now, listen to what I'm saying to you. Bernie Sanders is the most dangerous man in American political history. Precisely because he looks innocent, like a kindly old Jewish grandfather. I call him the Seltzer Man. He is a naked communist. He has been from the time of his early youth. He's the type I ran away from in New York. The soapbox Lenins. I know the type. Unfortunately, because of a wide dissemination of lies and marijuana, millions of people are following the Seltzer Man. But it's actually good news, because if the Dems nominate the communist Bernie Sanders... They hand the election to Donald Trump. So, you know, have it whichever way you want. On December 28th, I uh, tweeted the following. Why are racist teens able to rob and beat people with impunity? Notice I uh, quote the word teens. That's a code word now. Who is encouraging them? Where did they get this entitlement? Why did they not fear the law? Now, we are putting together a montage of all the anti-Semitic statements from black leaders going back a long way. Jesse Jackson called New York Jaime Town. Now, I realize he hasn't been heard from recently, but he did call Jews uh, a racist slur. He threw a racist slur at Jewish people by calling New York Jaime Town. Al Sharpton, as you well know, was a diehard anti-Semite from the get-go with the bullhorn outside of Freddy's Fashion Mart. Burn, baby, burn. So this is not coming out of nowhere. You got Louis Farrakhan preaching that Jews are the devil or apes. Where do you think these kids are getting it from? You think it's coming out of the air? December 29th, another attack on Jews. This was the one in uh, the synagogue in New York, uh, New York's Rockland County. At least five people stabbed by machete-wielding suspect. Of course, the media went into overdrive saying he was mentally ill. The system failed him. He fell through the cracks. Yeah, right. Uh, Texas church shooting. Armed parishioners shot him dead. I wrote, more guns equal less deaths. Every Jew at 22. That's 100% true. Every Jew at 22, and the crimes will come to a quick end. At least that's one man's opinion. I then posted uh, the following stuff. I'll move along to stuff that you may not be interested in. Uh, a guy named Shaquille vandalized a painting by Picasso worth $30 million. See, it doesn't, it's in the Tate Modern Gallery in London. And a practitioner of the religion of peace named Shaquille vandalize the Picasso painting because it, I mean, it just doesn't match his religion. You know, you can't have naked women, uh, graphic images. In fact, all museums should be burnt to the ground to those that they're bringing into the countries uh, of the West. It's suicide, as you well know. It was only a matter of time until imported Mideasterners stuck in the 7th century tore down our civilization. One man's opinion. Now, here's a very sad story. I tweeted this on December 31. Suicidal Jewish liberals attack the police set to protect Jews from attacks by blacks in New York City. I couldn't believe my eyes. Jewish groups push back against police surge in wake of anti-Semitic acts. Now, the Jews who are anti-police are the communists who call themselves Jews. They're not really Jewish. They're like Nadler or Schiff, in my opinion. 
You understand the difference? And so my phrase became from never again to sit shiva again, for those of you who understand what I'm talking about. On December 31st, I posted this. I was in a maudlin mood. When you get sick or tragedy strikes your family, you find out who your friends are. The fakers did not call a visit. Very popular. Very popular because you all know that to be the truth. On December 31, I was tweeting away and I said, Democide, my gift for 2020. Let's see who steals it first. Not demo side, but demi side. D E M I C I D E. You can get the picture. On, uh, let's see, uh, from a friend who was born in Manhattan, a very famous novelist, by the way, and finally moved away, I quoted an email from him. The liberals have ruined New York City, he says. The smell of pot is everywhere. Half the people I meet in the street are stoned. Teenagers think it's funny to blow smoke in the face of little school kids. And then, of course, the homeless bums. He left after a lifetime in Manhattan, born in Manhattan, right? Well, there are many, many others. Uh, there's a picture of the Monsey, New, New York, stabbing attack victim, was hit with the machete by the uh, nice fellow over there who was a little confused. Now, on January 1, I wrote this. New York bail reform begins Cuomo's nightmare to unleash thousands of violent felons onto the streets. You've seen nothing yet. Wait until you see. On January 1, we had a fabulous show. It was a replay of an interview with a New York Times reporter who wrote a book on marijuana, violence, and mental illness. It was yesterday's radio show. It was one of my best, so we replayed it yesterday. Marijuana, violence, and mental illness. Before warned. Before warned. Now, of course, the uh, wonderful folks in Hollywood who hate Donald Trump and hate voters of Donald Trump uh, think marijuana is all good for our children, right? You know why? Why are they doping our children? Hollywood leftist trash opens 2020 with hatred and lies while lecturing the world about tolerance and acceptance. And the poster boy for this hatred and lies is none other than Meathead. This is the Savage Nation. Oh, by the way, there was a New York Post headline today on michaelsavage.com. I linked it on Michael Savage. Two more attacks on Jews targeted on the street. Why no comment from Nadler, Schiff, Schumer? Engels, Pelosi, or half-cortex? Why is occasional cortex suddenly so silent, that half-mule? I'll let you figure out. Welcome to the Savage Nation. All callers from L.A. who get through receive a comp copy of Stop Mass Hysteria, 855-400-SAVAGE, 855-400-7282. Back in a minute. Michael Savage, a host like no other. You know, let's be honest with each other. Most people weren't taught how to invest in school. I wasn't. No one taught me how to invest. And if you're like me, you probably wondered, why does Wall Street seem to win so consistently? How can I do more than just buy and hold? Is there a path to help me take better control of my financial future? Online Trading Academy wants you to start knowing now. As a leader in investing and trading education, Online Trading Academy teaches people just like you a step-by-step -step process designed to help you make the right moves in the financial markets. You're going to discover common investor mistakes. You'll learn about risk management skills. You'll learn how to develop a personal income and wealth education plan. And it's very simple to get started. OTA's flexible learning style lets you take classes at one of their more than 40 financial education centers or in an online classroom from the comfort and convenience of your home. 
Students have given Online Trading Academy a 94% satisfaction rating based on more than 190,000 reviews. No one will ever care about your financial future as much as you do. So now is the time to start learning how education can help you take better control of your financial future from now on. A strong economy is the best time to prepare for a bad one. What would you do if you knew skills designed to help you generate income and build confidence toward your retirement goals? Well, get started by joining the more than 500,000 people who have attended one of their free classes. Free. Sign up for a free three-hour introductory class at otatrade.com savage. I'll say it again. There is a free class in your area. You'll register by going to otatrade.com savage. Guess what? You'll even receive their professional insider's kit just for attending. Write this down. You got it? You ready to go? Here we go again. OTATrade.com slash savage. OTATrade.com slash savage. Begin taking control of your financial future today with no obligation. Once again, write it down and contact OTATrade.com slash savage. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Welcome back to the uh, Savage Nation. Uh, here we are, first show, really first live show of uh, 2020. And boy, does it feel good to be here with you again. Uh, if you care to join the show and you get through, Jim, it's 855-407-282. Especially welcome today are my new listeners in Los Angeles. I mean, they're not really new. I have a significant following online on streaming in L.A. And in the past, I was on several stations, but right now I'm on a cumulus 50,000. Well, it used to be 50,000, a large station in uh, Los Angeles. And since I own a home in Los Angeles, I don't go too much. I may now start going to Los Angeles a little more. You know what I'm saying? I'll get better tables now that the show is heard on KAB. <laughs> you know what? For 20 bucks, I get a table anywhere I want. I don't really need a radio show. Money talks and you know what walks, right? Bill in Los Angeles, welcome to the Savage Nation. What's on your mind? Dr. Savage, it's a great honor to be first caller of the year here. And you are. You're not only the first caller of the L.A. year, I mean, the first caller of the year, but of L.A., too. Are you in L.A.? Yeah, I am. I live in the Valley. And uh, it's a great honor to welcome you back here and on the air. I hope it'll be a great awakening, your experiential, enlightening wisdom. Bill, gonna... let me ask you something. Have you listened to the show over the years uh, by streaming, you must be listening to it now by stream, right? Yeah, and of course, uh, you were on a couple different stations back in the uh, in the mid aughts, I guess. Uh, That's right. I was on a station in Los Angeles, and I remember there were full bus ads that were very <laughs> popular for the Savage Nation. But the uh, but the but the um, the deacons of the Church of Liberalism made sure that didn't last too long. Yeah, well, they're they're gonna they're gonna uh, kind of re uh, reassess their. Uh, uh, no, no, they're, they they're very tolerant of their own opinions, aren't they? Though, yeah. <laughs> Bill, I you live in the valley. Have you seen the Netflix show called Bosch about the detective? Bosch. Not have not. Well, it's set in L.A. and it started in 2016. It's a fabulous show. Well, I was watching it. Well, and the reason I'm mentioning it is that he lives in a house on stilts, which overlooks the valley. And I thought that maybe the view was something that you were interested in, okay? I guess. Okay, my friend, Bill, stay on the line. We're going to get your address, and we will send you a copy of Stop Mass Hysteria, America's Insanity from the Salem Witch Trials to the Trump Witch Hunt, 
uh, as soon as we can. Okay? Wisconsin, Ed, line one. Welcome to the program. What's on your mind, Ed? Uh, good afternoon, Dr. Savage. Um, I am very concerned about the uh, these politicians that are literally boasting about the relaxed marijuana laws. And- oh, this is a big topic for me. Um, we could go on about this for quite a while. Marijuana is the most dangerous of all drugs because, like Bernie Sanders, it is seen as a benign drug when, in fact, it's an entry-level drug. Moreover, the emergency rooms are filled with people who are having nervous breakdowns, mental breakdowns, schizophrenic uh, reactions from the new marijuana, which is 30 times more potent than that of the 1960s. It's a nightmare what is going on. The children are being destroyed with the propaganda. Take a guess who started it. George Soros, because I fought with his front men when they tried to push the marijuana medical marijuana initiatives way back when. I thank you for the call. We can talk about it when I come back on the other side of the ad. Be here. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Well, uh, welcome back to the Savage Nation. In a minute, uh, we'll get back to all of the hot stuff of the day, including Hollywood actors in World War II and Korea, uh, compared with the uh, characters that we have today. How did I phrase it? Uh, well, you'll figure it out a little later, but it's pretty horrible to see what they become today compared to Jimmy Stewart, who enlisted in uh, World War II, and uh, he was a commander. Actually, he was a B-24. He, he received the DFC uh, as deputy commander of the twenty of the second bombardment wing. This is an actor, but many other actors, Henry Fonda, Bronze Star for Valor, Glenn Ford. I'll read them in a minute. Now, compare them to the actors of today. And they're stabbing our troops and police in America in the back. How did that happen in one generation? You look back in World War II, the guys that I grew up with, one of my favorite actors of all time was always Jimmy Stewart, nicest man in the world. He always had a sweet persona. And the man became commander of the 445th Bombardment Group. Even Steven Spielberg's father, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, was a B-24 pilot. Now look what Steven Spielberg has become. Okay, he's done some movies that are quasi-patriotic. Henry Fonda, U.S. Navy Bronze Star for Valor. Look what his children became. Look what they became. Take a look at them. Lee Marvin, great man, U.S. Marines wounded in Saipan. Jack Palance, remember him? Tough guy. U.S. Army Air Corps, 455th Bomb Group. The man required facial reconstruction from terrible injuries he received in 1943 when his B-17 crash-landed in Britain. Tyrone Power looked like a pretty guy, right? Well, U.S. Marine Corps pilot in the South Pacific, Tyrone Power. I mean, the guy was a beautiful, right, handsome movie star. Eddie Albert, U.S. Navy. James Arness, U.S. Army, wounded in Anzio, Purple Heart and Bronze Star. Sir Alec Guinness put his theater career on hold in 1939, joined the Royal Navy. He landed some 200 British soldiers on the beaches of Sicily during July 43. Clark Gable. Now, Clark Gable was a handsome guy, right? He, he insisted on enlisting. He ended up serving in five high-profile combat missions. He was honorably discharged as Captain Clark Gable after D-Day. He was awarded the Air Medal and the DFC, the Distinguished Flying Cross. Now, compare him to Tom Cruise, the fake heroes. Now, compare him to all the fake heroes in L.A. All of them make believe they're heroes, yet they spit on America. How is that possible? Ed McMahon, Marine Corps flight instructor for two years. Charles Bronson, one of my favorite. 1943, Bronson's drafted into the Army Air Corps where he started out working as a truck driver, but eventually became a tail gunner at a B-29. 
a tail gunner in a B-29, perhaps the most dangerous position on a B-29 was a tail gunner, uh, Charles Bronson. Then David Niven, very suave. Do you know that Niven, as suave as he looked in the movies, led a commando unit known as the Phantom, which operated behind enemy lines after the Normandy invasion? These were the real heroes. How have we gone from patriots to hatriots in one generation? How's that for a turn of phrase? Can Ed Asner answer that, that asinine fat buffoon? How have we gone from patriots to hatriots in one generation? The Hollywood leftist trash of today has never been seen before. Every last one of them. It's hard to believe the things that they are saying, not only about Trump, but the hatred that they put out. I saw an article on the great Breitbart website. Hollywood rings in the new year hating Trump. Kickers behind in 2020. And who were they? There's Rob Reiner, meathead, a uh, uh, hatriot. We'll call these one hatriots. Then there's the failed author, Stephen King. I call him a failed author because he's not really a literary author. He's just a mystery writer. Yes, he made a lot of money, but he's not really a literary figure. Why he hates people who are conservative is anyone's guess. And that's Stephen King again, showing his true colors, which are all red. Bette Midler, a has-been. We won't even mention her. She's a nobody. Sicko director Michael Moore, uh, who endorsed the communist Bernie Sanders, had something to say. So hateful. Michael Moore is a has-been, a nobody. Judd Apatow. Now, he's an interesting character. When he first appeared on the scene with his big slapstick comedy hits, he was fabulous. Why Judd Apatow has become such a hatred in such a short period of time is anyone's guess. My answer is, hmm, perhaps follow the money. Those who fund these movies are all left-wing fanatics for their own reasons. And there's Judd Apatow, a shame, a shunder upon Judd Apatow. Rosie O'Donnell, you know what she is. She belongs setting pins in a bowling alley in, 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 Patika, in, in, in Topeka, Kansas, but there are no bowling alleys that would have her. George Taki, never heard of him. I don't know where he came from. Jim Carrey, the most overrated comedian in history, another hate, another hatred. Who is this one? Another one? I don't know who they are. West Wing actor, Bradley Whitford, never heard of him. Rosanna Arquette, uh, excuse me. You know, she says Putin is not my president. We know she's low IQ. All she ever had was a good behind. That's all Rosanna Arquette ever offered was a good derriere. And you know, there's an old saying. Uh, I, I can't say it because it's a family show, but I've kind of hinted at it. It's just sad what they become as they get older. And as their buttocks fall, so does their IQ. Ron Perlman, I don't know exactly who he is. Another one, Russia, if you're listening. Again, putting out the big lie about the Russia collusion. Amber Tamblin, never heard of her. Billy Eichner, never heard of him. Another one, another drunk from Hollywood, in my opinion. So the Trump derangement syndrome in Hollywood seems to be going strong. And that is why I wrote Stop Mass Hysteria, America's Insanity from the Salem Witch Trials to the Trump Witch Hunt. I would like to give one out to every major studio head, but I know they don't read. They don't even read their own scripts. So what are they going to do, read a book? And so that is why I say America's gone, especially in Hollywood, from patriots to hatriots in one generation. What do you think about that? 855-407-282. Now let's look at some of the other stories let's have a little sound sounder now robert give me a breather sounder as i get my papers together 
a little type, maybe TikTok clock one. You can have. There you go. I like that. That's a nice feeling to it. All right, here's some headlines that I collected over the last few days and weeks. Uh, more than 400 restaurants closed throughout San Francisco during 2019. 400. Now, why are they closing in San Francisco? Oh, the newspaper will tell you it's because of the high prices of rent. That's one reason. You want to know the main reason? The cost of hiring people has become impossible for the small restaurant owner. And the bums, oh, yes, the bums. Those in Hollywood and New York call them homeless. I call them bums. They're crapping in doorways. Uh, They're, let us say, driving people out of restaurants. People just say it's not worth it anymore. Labor shortage, yeah. Maintenance costs, high rent, yeah. But the bums and the taxes and the permits are really driving the restaurants uh, out. Now, here's one of the saddest headlines I ever saw in my life. Remember the Barnard College freshman, that beautiful girl, Tessa Majors, who was stabbed to death by the gang of animal, excuse me, wildings? Remember the gang of wildings who stabbed her to death? No one's been arrested yet. They were arrested and released immediately. Listen what the vermin in the media had a nerve to say. Suspect may have killed Tessa Majors because she bit his finger. Can you believe this? Have you ever heard anything? Imagine if it was your daughter. The girl's fighting for her life when a pack of wildings are mugging her and stabbing her. So she fights back and bites a finger, and they're blaming her now for her own death. Oh, my God. Does it get any worse than this? I hope not. Pope Francis slaps a woman's hand after she latches on to him. It's an interesting and funny video to watch, and I'll tell you, I'm on the Pope's side on this. I despise the Pope's politics because I called him Lenin's Pope in my book, Government Zero. The man is an absolute left-wing fanatic, but... He is still the head of the Catholic Church, and he is an icon to hundreds of millions of people around the world. So he's at St. Peter's Square on Tuesday, and a Chinese woman at that grabs, as he's going through the crowd, you know, touching hands. You know, he shouldn't have done that, by the way. She grabs onto his hand, and she latches onto it and locks in the hand. Now, first of all, she could have stabbed him. She could have jabbed poison into his hand. She could have pulled the old guy over. His, his bodyguards are worthless. Where'd they get these guys from? The Vatican bodyguards? I don't think that uh, the, the, the Hollywood people would hire Vatican bodyguards. I mean, if you were a Vatican bodyguard and you're looking to get out of the Vatican and you wanted a job in Hollywood and you hear that the Israeli uh, ex-IDF uh, people are making a fortune as bodyguards in, in, in Hollywood, you wouldn't get a job with the Vatican. You didn't protect the Pope. What good is that? Well, that was a sad story. So... As the Pope walks away from the crowd, the woman grabs his right arm and pulls him back violently. The Pope grimaces in pain and berates the woman and slaps her hand to free himself. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Who was this nutcase? She should have been arrested. Now, the encounter was posted on Twitter, and it shows the unidentified woman making the sign of the cross as the pontiff works his way down a receiving line of pilgrims in Vatican City. I'm 100% on the Pope's side. He should fire his bodyguards and hire Israelis to protect him if he really wants protection. Here's another story you may have missed, which I found to be a little odd and a little upsetting. Trump administration says it will approve the largest U.S. solar farm. Now, you and I both know about Solyndra, 
which robbed us of $500 million, taxpayer money, went bankrupt, and the money disappeared. You and I both know that Pelosi's family is involved in solar companies, all legitimate, of course, no crimes involved in that. But we all know that it's a giant scam in many ways at this point in history. Yet, under Obama, it was rejected. The very thing that Trump has approved, a solar farm in the deserts of Nevada, this massive solar farm in the desert outside Las Vegas, was denied by Obama and approved by Trump. And take a guess who's behind it. Billionaire Warren Buffett's NV Energy apparently has something to do with it. And Trump approved it. Trump has approved the largest U.S. solar farm in history. Massive. At 690 megawatts across 7,100 acres, the solar facility will generate more power than the largest solar farm currently operating in the U.S. Well, I can go into this in details, but as an ardent defender of animal life in this country, whether it be elephants or chimpanzees uh, who are being tortured in laboratories around the world or dogs or cats, you know I'm an animal rights guy, uh, many animals will be killed because of the solar farm. But aside from that, the hypocrisy of the Trump administration approving a solar farm is beyond words. Well, those are some of the stories. If you care to comment, the phone number to the Savage Nation is 855-407-28. To remember, remember this, please. You are listening to the Savage Graduate Program in Political Science, where everyone gets an A. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. I've lived through some historic times in my life. You won't believe this. And here they are. Look what I have seen in my lifetime. I want to show you how long I've been around this planet so you're going to get a feeling of what I've seen in my lifetime. One, Superman defeated by every man in World War II. Two, the first atomic bomb used in warfare. The establishment of the State of Israel. The popularization of television. This is all in my lifetime. The popularization of air conditioning. The popularization of air travel. The popularization of the personal computer. The invention of the internet. The assassinations of John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy, and Martin Luther King Jr. I've seen the first man walk on the moon. I've seen the complete integration of blacks and whites. I've seen the development of mass welfare for unproductive citizens. I've seen the destruction of America's judicial system by corrupt lawyers. I've seen the meltdown of America's borders. I've seen the acceptance of narcotics. I've seen the debasement of religion. I've seen the takeover of corporations by gamblers and con men. I've seen the elimination of grades in many schools. I've seen the introduction of racial quota systems. I've seen the impeachment of a president. What will I see in the future? Well, that's for you to decide, not me. Savage. Yeah, I've seen an awful lot, and I hope that uh, you don't think I've seen it all, because tomorrow will bring us more surprises, I think, than any of us are ready for. The world is rather stable today in one way, but you can feel the earthquake brewing underneath the surface. It looks to me like Iran wants a war, and the reason the Iranian madmen, the mullahs, the religious fanatics, who you never hear about from the left-wing press, the religious fanatics who have ruined Iran, who have turned it into a religion of hatred for those who do not comply with their throwback view of their own religion. Iran is in real trouble in many ways. Their economy is in shambles, 
and they need an external enemy so the people do not revolt against these throwbacks in turbans. That's the wild card that I see, in addition to the China of today, which is not the China of Chiang Kai-shek. This is The Savage Nation. Phone number is 855-407-282. The website's michaelsavage.com. Back in a minute. Thanks for listening. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. It is The Savage Nation. San Diego, Michael, welcome to the Savage Nation. What's on your mind? Yeah, Michael, you want to talk uh, about gangsters? I'm a gangster. Benny Siegel was my godfather. I come from Brownsville. I grew up in the, uh, I was about 18 in the 60s, early, very early 60s. So I grew up through the late 40s, 50s, 60s. So let me tell you something about the gangsters and the Jewish gangsters of now. Uh, you know, well, first of all, I don't know of any Jewish gangsters now. I'm retired. You want to read about me, you read Sammy the Bull's book. I'm the guy that got him made, okay? I was his partner. Okay, so I don't know about Jewish gangsters now, but back then, what made Jewish gangsters and Italian gangsters and Irish gangsters, okay, part of the greatest, greatest trio that actually built this country, you understand? There was an honor system, a tremendous honor system. I used to sit in the house. My mother would have Murder Incorporated guys come in, okay? Uh, Gambino family. I was in the Gambino Gallo War. I was in the Profaci Gallo War. And these guys, when they gave you their word, they kept their word, okay? Let me tell you something. It's true, the story that Benny Siegel was going to actually try to kill Mussolini. He went to Italy, okay? And he, he explored every, every aspect of it. Mm. I knew Charlie Workman. He killed Dutch Schultz. Okay, mm. I've known some people. I knew Red Levine. He killed uh, uh, Maranzano. Okay, so I've known these guys all my Mike, life. Michael, how old are you? I'm 66 years old. Well, you're not that old. I mean, you go back to now. You're born in 1943, right? 1944. I was. I've been Nin involved in organized crime since I was 12. My mother was queen of the New York underworld. I don't care who knows my name, but I'm going to tell you something. Okay. I also was in Israel. I knew Maya Arzion, what the Audie Murphy of Israel, okay? These are real Jews. I knew the three Jews that killed all those SS uh, guys in Dachau. They were on the kibbutz I was on, Gandafna, all right? So there's a difference between Jews now. This Murray Nadoff, to think he built his own people out of billions of dollars. This never would have happened. My people came from the Steidel, okay? They came from, from Russia. From from uh, from Western Russia, as a matter of fact, might be 120 of my relatives were killed in one afternoon by artillery fire in the village that my great grandfather came from in Russia. Okay, that was and that's uh, the village that the Bel. So you yourself are retired. I mean, basically, you're you're you're, you're laying low. You're retired or what? No, I'm retired. I, I'll tell you, I worked for Nick Pelleggi. I was the technical advisor on Goodfellas, on Casino. Uh, Nick produced a movie about me called uh, Fatherhood. Starring Patrick Swayze, that movie was about me. I'm writing a who's, book right who, now. Who's laughing in the background? I hear a laugh. 
No, that's people I just passed. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm in the car. No, no, I'm real sensitive. You know, I'm like you in a way. I'm sensitive to background sounds. Yeah, exactly. I, no, because you're, I mean, you're good. You're very good. But, you know, someone could be pulling my leg, too, with this call. You know, understand that. Well, let me tell you something. You read Sammy the Bull's book. I'm on page 96. I got him made. Okay, I made a war against the uh, the uh, Colombo family. Just Michael, let me ask you something. I want to ask you a side question. You read about a guy like Scott Rothstein, a $1.2 billion scam artist like this. What is it that you think? You know what? These are scum. They prey on people. You know, I listen, I, I'm not going to say that I was a great guy. I mean, I, believe me, I, I'm, I'm uh, accused of, of doing murder. I'm convicted. Of, you know, I'm convicted of that, too. I'm convicted of armed robbery, extortion, everything. But I gave it up. Okay, I gave it up to be creative, to try to do something with my life. So what do I think about a guy like this? This is pure scum. Okay. You're, I don't understand. I mean, to me, uh, the whole thing looks like we have gangsters running the country. What would you say? No, you got scum running the country. I mean, these aren't gangsters. They're, they're the vilest scum, okay, of the world. I'm going to tell you something right now. You're saying you're saying that a gangster has honor, is what you're saying? In my day, yes. In my day, I grew up. Carlo Gambino used to come to my house. You know, when they when they accused Carlo Gambino of being too old at 68, he went out and held up an armored car. You understand? He proved who he was. These people don't prove anything. I, I, I listen. I, there's an old adage. M Michael, do you listen to talk radio regularly, or is this just a chance listening and call? Michael, I listen to you every day. As a matter of fact, I called up last week. You wanted to make a comment about the uh, Israeli raid on that boat. I stayed on the phone for all, uh, an hour and three quarters of an hour, and you and you wound up signing off. And I guess you know you weren't taking any more calls, but I stayed with you. I'm a loyal. I'm a loyal listener. Okay, and I like you. You got a, you got a lot of balls. Okay, you're a good guy, and there's not too many people speaking up. I got 27 years in prison. Okay, my uncle was on death row for for eight years. He was a murder murder incorporated. Let me tell you about prison. Let me so you understand what's happening here. Mm -hmm. In prison, a guy will come over to you, and I'll give you a candy bar. Okay. Well, let me let me tell you. There was a guy in La Mesa prison. I I did a year in La Mesa prison in Mexico, the most dangerous prison in the world, and I was mm -hmm. there. Okay. And uh, it's right, right in Tijuana. And a guy came over to me one day. He says, "You know what? I want to, uh, you know, I want to die from you." It was a Mexican dude. He killed seven people, seven men. And there, when they kill people, they do it stand-up knife fights. Okay. So, and I know the, I know the underbelly of Mexico. I'm a legend on the border too. Anyway, he says, "Give me a dime." Okay. I says, "I ain't got no dime. You need to get out of here." He says, "Give me a dime." I says, "I ain't got no dime." He says, "Give me a dime, or I'll kill you." When he said that, I picked up a bottle of Mirinda soda, but. Because this is a prison where you can walk out of a room and get a gun. He wasn't leaving that spot. Now, what they'll do is they'll come over. Hey, give me, give, give, here's a candy bar. Or they try to pressure you. If you don't hit them and devastate them and take them out in the first swipe, then they're going to take everything you got and they're going to try to have sex with you and try to turn you into something other than a man. Now, that's what's mm. happening in this country. People Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's exactly what's happening to Israel. Israel's being turned into a girly nation. Well, yeah, but, but you know, let me tell you something. The real hammer of, of But God. Israel used to smack the Arab in the face with a broken bottle. He wouldn't take it. That's when they had a woman running the country. Look what's happened with these guys running the country. Tell me what happened to the nature of the Israeli, Michael. Let me tell you what's happening. You got you got organizations like Reuters that blocked out the knife that guy was holding over that Israeli soldier. You got world opinion 
Okay, now you got one hammer of God, and that's Benjamin Netanyahu. And I know when they killed his brother, they did not increase his love for Muslims or terrorists. Okay, I know that for a fact. And you got one hammer of God there. You had Ariel Sharon, but he got weak. Okay, now Israel, that, that, we're Jews, Michael. I know you come from the same background I come from. Okay, basically the neighborhood setup. Okay, so we know how things were when they were the right way. Okay, and what's happening now? My people came from the Steidel. My people, and, and that's one side of my family. The other side fought in every war in this country since 1876. Okay, but what is happening to the Jews now? They're being pressured by, you know, they're, they're, I'll tell you what the problem is. With Jews of this age, they want to assimilate. It says in Deuteronomy 7, we're not to assimilate, that we are a separate people. Okay, we're to respect where we go, but anybody comes in to try to take the country, that, land, that God has given us, we're utterly to devastate them. And we have the authority of God to do that, to kill everybody that tries to do that. Do not take their gold. Do not give your children in marriage. How did you become, but, but, but wait, you're an anomaly amongst people even of your generation. You became a, a gangster by your own admission, a murderer. Where did you get that in your, in your soul? Where did that come from? Well, you know what? I'll tell you exactly where. That's an interesting question, Michael. Where I got it? I no, well, because the reason I ask is there's a difference between very hard-minded, very tough, very uncompromising, and then crossing that line and being able to cut someone's throat with a, with a soda bottle. I mean, where did that come from? Well, I watch people, I watch these cops come to my mother's house and get envelopes, envelopes all the time. And city councilmen in New York City and Brooklyn, uh, this, the, the borough president came one time. These are all thieves. You and that's how I grew up. I, I, I watched that. And I understand. Let me tell you the difference between tough and hard. You can get yes. tough sleeping in, the, sleeping in the street for three weeks. That'll toughen you up. But right. hard, brother, I got 27 years in the worst prisons in this country. I'm hard. So I, there's, there's no question. Oh, wait, what? hold on. But you went in, you went in, uh, you went in one way. And not, a lot of men don't come out hard. They come out broken. Exactly. Well, you know what? I'll so what I'm getting at is, don't you think that this is born in you rather than something you learn? Because your brother could have wound up uh, a surgeon, for example, instead of a gangster. How many stories my mother used to tell me, because we'd argue over this. Listen to this, Michael. I'd say to her one thing or another, she'd say to me, how do you explain that in the same apartment, in the same Lower East Side that she was in, one brother would be a cop and the other would be a, a, a criminal? How did that happen? She'd ask me the same parents, the same background, because we'd argue over nature versus nurture. You follow what I'm saying? Definitely. Let me. So I think that I think that you're you're in other words the the hardness was in you at birth. You were hard at birth. Let me answer that question. Kings and killers are born; they're not made. Great kings are made. Okay, great because they step off their throne and they look in people's in the eyes. They don't look at the top of their heads. But killers are made. Now I, you want to know. The point, the validity of this question, uh, of what I'm saying, I'll tell you what. Six million mm -hmm. Jews went into the gas chamber. Six million. Apparently, they, some of them were hoodwinked, but none of them took the opportunity to kill the last Nazi before they walked into that gas chamber. Just grab a pistol and kill him, knowing you're going to die anyway. Right. I got in a gunfight in, uh, in uh, Hollywood. It's a pretty famous gunfight, Gunfighter Producer Studio, 1978. Well, I got shot. I got shot six times. By this guy, a movie producer. We shot it out right in front. People thought we were making a movie. I was looking at the corner of my eye while I'm getting nine millimeters pumped into me. Okay, and the last bullet that I, I that came out of my gun, I ran and I started beating this guy over the head. I had I was I was kidding my jugular vein. I was dying. Okay, that's the difference. If I'm going to die, I'm going to take somebody with me. Now, what changed my life? 
I was in Corcoran. Okay, I had sepsis of the spine. Okay, I helped the guy escape out of Donovan Prison, uh, a guy named uh, Dave Finney. I got the warden fired. I did it for that reason, to get the warden fired. Anyway, what happened is I was dying, okay, and I made a prayer. I said, Lord, this cop came in, and he, he started making me sit up. I had sepsis. I had such pain in my, in my back. I had a few days to go. I said, if you ever did this to me on the yard, I'd kill you. But now I'm dying, so you're coming and you feed off me. He said, well, I said, but I'm getting out in a few days. He said, no, you're not. You're doing life. I said, no, I get out November 27th. He must have looked at the computer. I never seen him again. I was dying. Okay? Mm -hmm. I made a prayer that night. God, please don't let me die. I promise on my soul I will change my life. This is after 27 years of prison. Now I finally broke. Just a couple of days after I had finished 17 years for murder. Okay? I broke. Okay, but I only broke. I, I, but I said I won't take any vengeance on nobody, and I won't do anything except. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. You said family. you broke. What do you mean you broke? You changed. I broke. Yes, I did. God broke me. God, Adonai, L. He's the one that broke me. He broke. Well, it's me. an interesting. It's an interesting use of a word. Broke. I broke you. Why do you use the word broke you? Because God comes to you. If you, if people, he sends people to you. If you don't listen to him. Okay, he's going to find a way to break you. He's going to bring you to him. And be thankful he does, because if he doesn't, then you're lost. You go into Gehenna, and I know that. And this, this is the culture that I come from. This is the Jewish culture. Okay, listen. Well, what, do you, to... what do you do day to day in San Diego? I'm going to have to take a break, but I know that most people, I'm getting emails from people I haven't heard from for years saying, this is the most awesome phone call I've ever heard in talk radio. You've got people on the edge of their seats, Michael, with your story. Because we all know it's the truth. We know that you're not making it up. And there's something about the truth that is so remarkably attractive that people don't know how to stop listening to it. So please hold on the line. Maybe somebody can be saved from your conversation with me on this show, Michael. Stay in the line. I'll be right back. Michael Savage, a host like no other. It's another amazing day on the Savage Nation. I started by talking about where have all the Jewish giants gone? Where have all the giants in any religion gone? And uh, we were taking callers on that. What happened to our civilization? There's no honor anymore. There's no nothing anymore. And a guy calls named Michael from San Diego. He identifies himself as Michael Hardy, I, uh, a man who he says he's uh, been convicted of murder, 28 years in prison. And he started to tell things about his life that smacked of reality. And we couldn't believe it. Most of us listening to the show are awed by this call. And we're going to go back to Michael Hardy right now on the Savage Nation. Michael, I know that you have many people listening right now. And you ended the last conversation by telling us that after 28 years, God broke you. Could you tell the people what you meant by that? Well, listen, God has always been in my life, okay? But, you know, and he's always been with me. I've been, I've been shot 11 times. I had a bomb. Wait, when you car, say I... God has been with you, even when you were killing people, God was with you? Well, he was with it. He was in my heart. But I, let me let me tell you, Michael. I, I was born into a into a war zone in Brownsville. Okay, so I started out with the uh, Profaci Gala War. Well, I started out with gang wars when I was a kid on, in in Brooklyn on Dead Man's Hill on Crown Heights. Okay, that's where I started out. I went to a, a school where the principal jumped off the roof. We went to see Blackboard Jungle, and we I thought it was a musical comedy. I went. To <laughs> Good line. So more happened in a half a day in my school than happened in that whole movie. So God has always been with me, okay? But it wasn't, but, but listen, he wants you 
He wants you to pay attention to him. And if you don't, he's going to cause you to do it one way or the other. If he loves you. If he doesn't love you, listen, he didn't like Cain. Okay, Cain didn't make out good. Well, you said you were in a Mexican prison. Was it a U.S. prison in Mexico where you cut the guy's throat with the soda bottle? No, it was a Mexican prison in Mexico. Mexico. You were in a Mexican prison in Mexico and you survived killing a guy with a bottle? Yes, I did. I definitely did because I killed a guy who was a threat to the guy that ran the prison. So it's a, oh. I wrote a book called Mesa del Diablo. And this guy, as soon as I did that, they never seen a gringo do this. They thought, like, I don't know, like I was some kind of... Uh, you know, white buffalo or something, or an, an enigma. And this guy says, listen, I want you to work for me. And he let me work for him. And I made M Michael, how, how tall, Michael, how big a man are you? Six foot one, 280 pounds. Oh, so you're a big guy. Yeah, they call me Big Mike. That's, uh, that's what I was known as. But I want to tell you something, Michael. You know, you know, Sammy was my partner for a long time. When Jerry Capizzi was, was calling him a rat and everything like that, now, I got off the bus before I got to that stop, okay? Because Mike, hold on, because I'm coming to a dead stop. You said that God, you found God, you're no longer a criminal, and that God broke you. Amazing words. If you have the time and you care to reach a lot of people, would you tell the people what you mean by God broke you, what that means? I get a call from a guy in the last hour who identifies himself as a Jewish gangster who was retired in San Diego in his mid-60s. He claims he was in prison, in and out of prison for 28 years. He claims he's convicted of murder many times. And that he says at the end of this long, his name is Michael Hardy. He's holding on the line. He's going to be back with us. He was mentioned in the book Underboss, Gravano. And he says that at the end of the day, God broke him and that he's a changed man. So I said, Michael, will you stay in the line and come back on the Savage Nation and tell us what you mean by God broke you? And true to his word, Michael is still holding from San Diego. Michael, thank you for being a man of your word. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Michael is still holding. How you doing? Thank you very much, Michael. Now, Michael, I want to review because we get all sorts of new callers. I know you told a lot of, you know, you told us a lot, and it was captivating. Men of reality, whether they're good or bad, are very captivating. I've found this my entire life. I can't take people who BS me. I'd rather be alone, Michael. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I know exactly what you're talking about, Michael. I mean, I'd rather hear, I'd rather hear a guy who was an ex-criminal tell me his life story than listen to BS from a guy who has nothing to say. Let me put it to you that way. So I know that what you were saying to me was captivating to me. I know millions of people heard it. Could you summarize in your own words what you said to me, and then we'll go into the God broke you thing? I mean, I'm not asking you to glorify your life. I'm asking you to tell the people what you said to me. You were in jail for how many years? 27 years in two different countries and five different systems. The federal so, state, the army, uh, New Jersey, New York, Mexico. But you weren't in consecutively. You mean in different, different, uh, different times, right? Certainly, yeah. Yeah, it's like a mosaic. But, you know, each so, time, and you were describing the difference between tough and hard, right? And, and you're saying anyone could be tough, but being hard requires jail time. Isn't that what you were saying? 27 years, in, 28 years in prison with, uh, with, with riots, race riots, killings, uh, hundreds of killings. I was in Corcoran. They were betting on people, and they were doing that. They were betting on convicts, uh, which one would win, and they'd shoot the loser. So, yeah, that made me real hard. And growing up made me hard in Brownsville, Bedford-Stuyvesant. Yeah, but so, wait, yeah. but Michael, you're only 66. There were other Jews who grew up with you who were smart, as smart as you, 
but they didn't go into the world of crime. They did it in another way. So how did you become a criminal is what I'm asking you. Well, how did I become a criminal? I'll tell you. I watched uh, I, I watched the situation with my mother, okay? And I watched how nothing, nothing, everything is corrupt, okay? Everything is corrupt. And, and just, you got all kinds of politicians. It, I You're love, saying that your mother was, in essence... A funnel for money to politicians, corrupt politicians and judges. Is that what you're saying? I would, yeah, I would say that. I would say she was uh, Benny Siegel's girlfriend before, uh, before, uh, uh, excuse me, after Virginia Hill in an interim. Uh, I'll tell you what she said on Geraldo that uh, she was raped by two guys uh, in Murder Incorporated. She told Benny Siegel, and that afternoon they were both. She told them in Hollywood that afternoon they were both dead in, in, in Brownsville. So, yeah, definitely. She was queen in the New York underworld. That's what the, the Times and the Daily Mirror, Daily News uh, used to say. But you were written up in the New York magazine back in the 70s. Isn't that correct? Back in 1977, yeah. I was, uh, I was written up. Uh, and uh, All right, so we, we've checked it out. So this story is true, what you're telling us. I want people to understand we've done a little checking, and there is uh, direct veracity in what you're saying. All right, so you're a hard man. You're a tough man. You're an ex-criminal. You're a murderer, ex-murderer. You've done every bad thing on earth, and you say that you come out at the other side because you beg God to not to not kill you when you had uh, sepsis in your spine, right? Isn't that when it happened? Yes, sir. Now, when you say God broke you, did you have an awakening? Did God actually appear in front of your eyes in that jail, in that hospital? I'm going to tell you something. That happened to me in Rikers Island years ago when I took my little girl. She was uh, being uh, abused in a foster home. But that actually happened to me. But that's that's a very heavy experience. But in the hospital in Corcoran, yes, I had a, I had a second. In other words, God, in a sense, God spoke to me, and He let me know. Listen, you're headed for a hard, hard time. Okay, now you got a choice. Now you can either die in this prison, okay, or you keep having faith in me, and I'll bring you through it. And I had a hard time. A couple of days after, I had the the encounter with the uh, CO. Okay, who never who never came back to my room again? Uh, uh, what happened is uh, I was released. I had died that night, and I uh, the nurse told me she brought me back. A few days later, I was released to an ambulance. They brought me to UCSD, and with with the great care I got in UCSD in one year, I was there for a year, semi coma. Okay, I was there for a year. Uh, I had a doctor tell me that uh, he gave me the operation. But I was going to die anyway, and I told him, listen, I've been in hell that it burned the shoes off your feet in the first five minutes. I spent years there. There's nobody going to kill me before God. God knows when I'll die, not you, brother. He wouldn't operate mm -hmm. on me. I'm not going to give you his name, let him go on his career. But anyway, yes, I, and, and God, God came to me and spoke to me, okay? And, and, and believe me, he gave me an awakening. And he just told me, listen, you've got to change your ways. This is a part of history. We don't have much time left. Okay, things are going to happen. There's a storm coming. If you don't prepare, if you don't, if you don't maintain the greatest sanctuary, okay, uh, against tyranny in the world and keep tyrants from controlling it, then we're going to lose it. This is the now, only. Wait, you're, you're referring to America, aren't you? Yes, I am. I am. Now, ooh, ooh. so so you're a man who was on the other side. You were in the dark side of things. And I asked you, and do you think that this country is being run by the same type of people who ran the New York that you you saw through your mother's, the time of your mother? Do you feel that they're just as corrupt? Uh, they're, they're more corrupt because there's no, the guys that ran New York when I was a kid, uh, they had honor. 
They might have done. Listen, Michael, how many times have I said on this show, I knew that politicians were always on the take when I was a kid. I knew it. I didn't. I wasn't shocked by it. But there was a, a, a line that they never crossed. And that line was treason. And I said that line has been crossed. They would all sell this country down the river today for a dollar. Isn't that what you're saying? The, the fiber of our constitution and democracy is, 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 is entwined with treason at this point in this day. It is. Treasonous acts from the government. People don't care. Do they think, do they think they're just going to maintain this country? You, you think that you look at those guys on Normandy Beach. God, if they could only knew what they were fighting for, they might not have showed up, Michael. How many times have I said it? How many times have I said that, that they, they, they stormed the beach? Exactly. They wake up and they find. They wake up and they look at the country we're living in. That's what they died for—for for the freedom of of having people putting bombs in Times Square and then being given a trial instead of being hung from a lamppost. And then nobody knows. You know, they guy- they died so that the Navy SEAL is put on trial for doing his job. They died so U.S. Marines can be given a court martial because they killed someone in a shootout. What do you think about those trials of the Marines? You know how much money I've raised for them, Michael. You must have heard it over the years. Of course I have. Of course I have. And I cry, please bring bring Harry Truman back. Where's Rorty Murphy? You understand? Deep- so you me. and I agree philosophically. So when you say you're broken, you say to God, save me and I'll do what? What have you done differently since that? T- well, I'll tell you what. I've changed my line of thinking. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm handicapped. I would travel around uh, the streets in, in San Diego in my wheelchair. People treated me good. Real, real good. Real good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, I look at these people. These are the people. These are American people. These are good people. Okay? Who would want to hurt these people? You know, I'm not in the battle zone anymore. When you get out of the Army, you stop fighting. Okay? I'm not in yes. that Army no more. I've been shot right. 11 times in the streets of this, this country. Okay? I've had 16 gunfights. I've been in two major uh, mafia gang wars. And that's only on this side of the border. Okay? But I'm going to tell you something. When you don't need to do that, when you're, when you're not a combatant, then you look at the, you, you smell the flowers. And I, I, I thank God that I'm not here. You know, listen, I, I faced the gas chamber on my last case. And, and I beat three strikes three times by the grace of God only. And, I, and you know what? You don't have to be a fool to sit around and compliment yourself and say, hey. you, Michael, if you have some young kids listening to the show before we go, let's say there's some gangbangers who listen because they're different than their friends. They would never admit they listen to Michael Savage. But they listen because they know there's something here for them. And they're as tough as nails. They're in the street. They're doing what you did as a kid. Would you say to them that it's the hero who puts the gun down? Well, I would say I would say that. I would definitely say that. But I'd say this also. When you see prison movies, you see two hours, American Me or whatever else the prison movie is. Okay? Yeah. If you want to go there, it's not going to be two hours. It's going to be millions and millions of seconds and minutes. Okay? Millions of misery packed time. Okay, in a concentration camp setting where people concentrate on making your life miserable. Okay, they concentrate on doing that, whether it be the guards or the other inmates. You walk out, you don't know if there's going to be a shooting. I was there when they fired 18 shots in Cochrane on the yard. Okay, I watch people get stabbed in the mess hall. They start shooting the M14s, bullets are ricocheting. This is a hell that I can't understand anybody. And, and you're not fighting for anything. There's nothing worthy. It's not like what Audie Murphy did. Killed yeah. like what, 160 Germans in 20 minutes? He did something here, okay? Yes. It's not that. You're fighting for nothing. For people, your homeboys, you ain't going to get a card from them. You ain't going to get a letter from them. You ain't going <laughs> to get a grunion from them. Nothing. You're there alone. Right. 
Make the decision. Make the decision before you cut that line and wind up in the Colorado River on the greatest rapids that you can ever imagine, and you're probably going to drown in, in the mix. Make that decision. Stay home. Be true to your family. I met a lot of I met a lot of good kids in that in, in that in this system I just came out of. Good kids that are going to spend the rest of their life because of three strikes in prison, and they got a lot of good values. They just need a little turn. And I'm going to tell you something. They ain't going to get it. Because the biggest, the biggest maggots of the system here are the California Department of Correction. They want three strikes because they want job security. Okay, so these kids that could do something, could be something, they need a break. You need to change the uh, some kind of learning system, whatever it is. Okay, but you need to reach people, waste all this energy and spend all this money on prisons and not school and not not religious training and take God out of the equation of this country. This is uh, one country under God. And when you take him away, he's not he's not above us anymore. You understand? That's, yep, we that's lose why. our protection. Well, Michael, this has been a very um, a big, quick ride down the rapids with you, and I um, must say that I hope that somebody was touched by Michael Hardy on today's Savage Nation. Thank, Thank you. you for calling the program. I'll be right back. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. Everybody listening has watched a gangster movie at some point in their life, whatever that one may have been. Take your choice. Coppola's The Godfather is probably the most famous. But many of you never watched it. You weren't even alive. Scarface, De Palma, 1983. Goodfellas, Scorsese, 1990. Carlito's Way, De Palma, 1993. Pulp Fiction, Tarantino, 1994. The Departed with Jack Nicholson, Scorsese, 2006. Okay. The gangster film. It's one of the most notable film genres. And why is it that we watch these things? Well, there's a couple of reasons. It lets us vicariously experience a lifestyle that we ourselves can't live. Morally loose, condemned by society, able to do things that the average person wouldn't or couldn't do, but sort of we dream about. Somewhere encoded in our DNA is the gangster, the caveman, right? But it's also a weird interpretation of what we're all seeking in the American dream, isn't it? Right? Which is based on greed and buying anything we want, doing anything we want. Of course, most of us don't engage in violence, thank God, or illicit behavior. But by watching these movies, we sort of do, again, vicariously. And it also makes us reflect upon ourselves. But let's go back to one of the principal gangster movies of our time, which is The Godfather, based upon the Mario Puzo novel by the same title. Now, whether this was ever true or not, I don't really know. That was the popular mythology of the mafia, which is that there were all these courtly, judicious men who were really family men, never cheated on their wives, protected their children. In other words, just good guys who, if you got in their way, they would take care of you, but otherwise they would leave you alone. I think that's more myth than reality, but I don't really know. But about The Godfather, again, the character as portrayed in the novel and the book, Don Corleone, it's about a man who comes over from Sicily and he has pneumonia or tuberculosis and typical immigrant story. He's poor and he struggles, works in a grocery, gets fired because a gangster from the neighborhood comes in and has his nephew take his job, so he's left with nothing, and he's forced into the gangster world, okay? That's, that's myth number one. 
that he didn't choose to become a gangster. He was forced into it. Now, that may be true in some cases of abject poverty. I wouldn't deny it. How would you act if you uh, were starving to death? You'd probably do anything you had to do, right, to get a scrap of bread. So maybe there's this all relates. Oh, okay, I can figure that out. I would do that if I had to, right? Anyway, but there's another element to the character as he emerges in The Godfather, Don Corleone. Don't you listening right now wish to God you knew someone powerful enough to take care of some of the people who've hurt you in your life, some of your enemies, people who've done you wrong? Don't you dream sometimes that you could go to some judicious godfather and get even with them? I'm sure you do. So as portrayed both in the book and the movie, Don Corleone in The Godfather was more of a tribal elder, a tribal leader from the old world, almost in, in a biblical sense, from my perspective. Almost an ancient biblical tribal leader who you would go to to resolve your problems. And so he never, ever goes beyond a rational point. For example, in the opening scene of The Godfather, we see the undertaker who comes in to see the Godfather on his daughter's wedding when he has to see people, uh, you know, who he knows and give them one favor. The undertaker whispers to the Godfather. First, he tells him what happened. My daughter went out with these American men and they gave her liquor and then they did terrible things to her. So the Godfather and the Marlon Brando character listens and he says, what do you want me to do about it? The uh, undertaker whispers in his ear and then you see the Marlon Brando character go, with like an alarm in his eye. No, that I cannot do. So then when he leaves, he ushers him out of the room and he calls in Fat Clemenza, Marlon Brando. And he says to him, I want you to get me people, reliable people. And here's what I want you to do. Don't go too far. Meaning he's expressing the judiciousness that I was mentioning to you earlier. But I don't know how many of the gangsters were really judicious as opposed to bloodthirsty murderers. You know what I'm saying? So in other words, in The Godfather, because we live in such a lawless world where the judicial system, frankly, doesn't work for almost any of us. Everyone listening to this show has probably been screwed by the justice system. Everybody knows that if you have more money than the guy, if the other guy has more money than you, he's going to win in court. That's how it seems to work. We don't see justice by and large. And we dream of justice. It's in our nature to want justice. So who is this person who is going to met out justice? Someone just like the Godfather. From my perspective, that is why that movie of all became the most profoundly influential of all of the movies in the gangster genre. The Westwood One Podcast Network. <laughs>